Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the kickoff. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the fantasy football mastermind edge. The definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Your host, fantasy football mastermind, Michael Nazareth, has several decades of fantasy football experience. His website, ffmastermind.com, offers comprehensive fantasy football information, including a preseason drafting strategy guide and weekly in-season fantasy football newsletters. The Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge offers fantasy football picks to click and play. The latest NFL news and much, much more each week during the fantasy football season. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. You lose! Good day, sir! Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge. Michael Nazareth. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is September 13th. My name is Michael Nazareth. I am host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found on the web at ffmastermind.com. And with me once again, my very good friend, very experienced co-host, Chris Rito. How are you doing, Chris? Very well, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, good to be back playing uh, fantasy football again. I hope you had a a good week one. As I hope all of our listeners had good week one, except those that played against me, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yes. Week one is in the books. Uh, lots of lots of information to talk about. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of uh, key injuries. Uh, people down in Texas are not happy right now. At least the ones in Dallas. I can understand that. Uh, we're going to get to that uh, just in a moment here. Uh, but anyway, I just wanted to check with you, Chris, to see how you did in, in your leagues this this week. Uh, and all my main leagues that I that I really focus on, I've got a couple of draft master leagues, but my main leagues, I went four out of five, uh, had a couple of easy wins, a couple of extremely close wins, and then lost. I got absolutely annihilated in, in, a, in a game where my, my opponent had three of, of the oh, dozen or so guys that really went off this week. Uh, he happened to have three of them in his lineup, so he, he beat the tar out of me. Uh, so uh, other than that, uh, I, I, did, I did pretty well. Four out of five is not too bad. It sounds like a, uh, a yeah. Uh, that's that's the winning winning record. That that's all that matters. Um, I've got several teams in the FPC. Uh, unfortunately, most of them lost. <laughs> However, I got three teams in the FFPC main event, and I've got two winners uh, this week. And the other one lost uh, on Monday night when Russell Wilson just couldn't get that. Uh, second touchdown <laughs> in the end zone. Uh, yeah, I had several guys in Denver going in that game, and, and I still uh, scored well, but, you know, it is what it is. You're not going to win anything. Anyway, let's get right to the news and notes. The, the big news of the week, of course, is Dak Prescott's broken uh, hand. He's not going to play for six to eight weeks, probably close to eight weeks. Uh, and yet Jerry Jones is not going to put him on IR. Uh, I don't know what's going on there. And they, they said they're happy with the, the guys internally. Uh, this is not a good formula for fantasy success. Uh, with uh, CeeDee C. Lamb now is going to be catching passes from Cooper Rush, Dalton Schultz, uh, Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard. What's the fantasy impact here uh, on, the, on the loss of Dak Prescott? I, I, I imagine it can't be very good, can it, Chris? No, it, it definitely isn't. I know we talked last week about, uh, about the loss of Tyron Smith and how valuable he was. 
probably the, the two most valuable players for the Cowboys in total are Tyron Smith and Dak Prescott, and certainly from a fantasy perspective because Smith shuts down the running game totally. It really makes a big difference, and also impacts the passing game. And now with, with obviously with, with Prescott out, Cooper Rush is just, just horribly inexperienced. And we'll talk more about some of these Cowboys later as well. But, uh, man, this just really doesn't bode well. About everything I've seen from most of the pundits have said, the only one that might benefit from Cooper Rush is, is Dalton Schultz because he'll be the bailout guy. But, boy, I'm not so sure that that's really the case either. He's, he's almost more of a receiver than a, than, a, than a security blanket. So it remains to be seen. This is, this is really bad for uh, the next month or so for any of you who are re- relying on Cowboys in your fantasy leagues. Yeah, and unfortunately, I do have Zeke in a couple of leagues, and uh, but I don't have Dak Prescott anywhere, and I don't have Ceedee Lamb. So, but I do have Dalton Schultz, and of course, we have Dalton Schultz in, in Fanex. But you know, it is what it is. Uh, moving on over to another key injury uh, of the week was Elijah Mitchell, the uh, 49ers running back in the driving rainstorm, started the game pretty well, and then he wrenched his knee. And uh, this is interesting. It's almost like a carbon copy of what happened with Raheem Mostert that allowed Elijah Mitchell to, to get the starting job last year. Anyway, Mitchell's out uh, for two months with a knee injury. Uh, don't really know how, how it sounds like a bad meniscus or MCL or something. I don't know. Uh, ACL would have been out for the year. But obviously the fantasy impact here, uh, Jeff Wilson and, and rookie Tyron Davis-Price are the backups there. Uh, what's your take on the 49ers running game moving forward, Chris? Well, well, everyone kind of expected there was going to be a string of injuries at running back. That's what the 49ers have seemed to have done the last few years between Mostert and Mitchell, and even Jeff Wilson's missed some time. So, obviously, Wilson's the next man up. A lot of people drafted him, hedging their bets on the inevitable Mitchell in- injury. So, they're in great shape now. They got possibly an RB2. So, I think he's going to see the bulk of the carries back there. This will go deep, put Debo Samuel back into that partial running back, partial wide receiver category, so maybe his stock goes back up uh, to where it was last year. Certainly Trey Lance is going to run more uh, with uh, with a little bit drier field next week. I would not rule out the possibility they go out and find a veteran because all they have behind Jeff Wilson now is a couple of rookies. And uh, a guy that comes to mind that we talked about him last week is maybe Marlon Mack, who was let go, and he's, he could be plucked off a practice squad. There's a, there's a couple of veterans on uh, Baltimore one of whom might get let go when Gus Edwards is available and J.K. Dobbins is back. Maybe you know, maybe uh, Kenyon Drake or, or Mike Davis might become available. I would look for one of those guys to be a veteran signing to step in and split the load with Jeff Wilson before they put too much trust in rookies when they have Trey Lance under center. Yeah, I think uh, Phil Lindsay might be making a call out there too. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see oh, yeah. who they do oh, yeah. choose. And, anyway, the hot rookie uh, the summer – uh, climbing the charts and every, everybody, including climbing out of the mastermind rankings of Damian Pierce, uh, the rookie running back for the Texans, is going to be the starter, right? Uh, well, he only saw 29% of the snaps on Sunday, and that was a game where the Texans were leading most of it. Instead, uh, Rex Burkhead uh, out, not only out-snapped him, uh, played more, 30 more snaps than him, but also uh, out-carried him and, uh, and caught more passes than him. So fantasy impact moving forward here. Uh, do you automatically bench Damian Pierce? Uh, a lot of worry here, or you think that eventually he's going to take that job? Uh, what's your take, Chris? I, I think eventually he will take the job, but I, I think we had even talked about this in the preseason running back uh, podcast. Um, he's not quite ready yet to be the man. Uh, a lot of people thought so when they cut Marlon Mack and made some of their other moves, but I think he's a down-the-road stash. He's a great dynasty pick, but 
the expectation should have been that Rex Burkhead was going to carry a lot of the, the workload early, maybe not in the game plan with the game script like we saw yesterday or Sunday, but uh, I think early on, especially with them trailing and him being a better receiver and, and pass blocker, we should probably expect this for the first half of the season. Second half of the season, yeah, that, that's a different story. I think he might be able to, to swing a little more, more action, but I'm not surprised by this one bit. Okay, I'm I'm with you there. Uh, I by the way, I own him in a couple of leagues, and I'm I'm sitting in for the time being. In fact, I own Rex Burkhead in 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 at least one league where I own Pierce, and yeah, I would swap them right now, people. If you're going to have to start one of them, maybe as a flex moving forward. All right, over in uh, Chargersville, uh, Keenan Allen got to off to a hard start, three four catches immediately, and then immediately pulled his hamstring. Uh, it was kind of a surprise because everyone thought then that Mike Williams had the big game. He didn't. Uh, he didn't. He only caught, I think, one pass. Uh, Joshua Palmer didn't do much in that game. DeAndre Carter came out of nowhere, but actually replaced uh, Keenan Allen on the field a play and uh, had a pretty good game there. The tight ends uh, uh, scored. Uh, Gerald Everett scored. Well, it looks like Keenan Allen's not going to play this Thursday night against the Chiefs. That that hamstring. So, what's the fantasy impact here, uh, Chris? What do you think is going to happen with the Chargers' uh, passing game? Yeah, this is going to be interesting because he's certainly a big part of, of Justin Herbert's success over his first couple of seasons. So that, that's a really interesting one to look at. It, he's going to be felt. The loss is going to be felt. I do think Gerald Everett's going to step up and get more, more action. He was already, you know, fairly well targeted uh, in week one. Mike Williams has to do more than he did the other game, and he's done pretty well in games that, uh, that Keenan Allen has missed uh, in the past. So I'm not too worried about it there. You mentioned that the whole Josh Palmer, DeAndre Carter thing, that was really interesting because Carter moved into the slot. He took all the routes that Keenan Allen would normally run in the slot, whereas Josh Palmer seemed to be more of an outside player. I think they're probably going to do that more this week. They'll probably start Palmer and, uh, and, and Williams, and we'll see how that rebounds. I, I know Carter's going to be a really huge hot pickup on the waiver wire, especially in PPR leagues. I'm a little hesitant that that might not be indicative of what's necessarily going to be the case with the week of practice, even a short week of practice. Yeah, I agree with you there. Also, I think that when Keenan Allen does come back, maybe in another week or two, uh, Carter's going to go back to the bench, and Joshua Palmer's still going to be the number three there uh, playing and, and, and getting significant snaps. Anyway, moving on over to Tampa Bay, uh, Chris Godwin uh, made his return from a 20 ACL and caught a couple of, I think, three passes early in the in the game on Sunday night against the Cowboys, promptly pulled his hamstring, and he's likely out a few weeks. Julio Jones? Made made a big uh, headline about being the fastest guy in camp. Uh, wow, I didn't expect to hear that. But uh, he actually looked pretty good in limited action in that game. Russell Gage came on late and, and constant passes, and Burchard Henry, uh, Burchard Perryman, excuse me, was uh, was used. So what's the impact here of the uh, the Bucks passing game without uh, Chris Godwin moving forward, Chris? They got a lot of bodies here. I mean, they got a lot of capable bodies. I mean, Russell Gage and Julio Jones. Uh, and Brashad Perriman, really, even for, for both uh, briefly with the Ravens and also with the Bucks last year, have proven themselves to be more than adequate number two, number three options. I don't think it's gonna, the overall game is going to suffer much. None of them are Chris Godwin, but collectively I think they'll be able to produce those, help Brady produce the kind of numbers he, he would have had otherwise. Russell Gage is probably the biggest beneficiary because I do wonder if Julio Jones has quite enough left in the tank to be a, a Chris Godwin-like performer for fantasy, whereas Gage in a PPR might be the guy that gets the most uh, increase in target. Yep, uh, I agree with you a little bit there. I think Julio now at this stage in his career is good as a part-time player, so you take you got to pick his spots 
hit him. Uh, maybe he catches a long one or whatnot, but he's not going to be a PPR machine in that in that uh, in that system. Okay, one uh, quick kicker note from your side of the uh, country uh, over in Indianapolis: the Colts released Rodrigo Blankenship after he missed a overtime field goal attempt. He also kicked a couple of kickoffs out of bounds. That's not good. And they signed two kickers to the practice squad, one being Chase McLaughlin. What what is the feeling there in Indy about this uh, waiver and uh, and the possible new kicker? Well, I think the feeling is 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 positive. I mean, there's been a lot of frustration with with Hot Rod uh, in the last few years. I think this is the move they had to make to save face in the eyes of the fans and the and the, and the locker room. Quite honestly, they waited too long with with uh, Adam Vinatieri in 2019, as you may recall, and I think that really raised a lot of eyebrows that they stuck with the guy when they when they cost the team some wins. In fact, oddly enough, Chase McLaughlin was the guy that replaced Vinatieri at the end of that year and then lost the training camp battle the following year to, to the rookie uh, Blankenship. So I like McLaughlin to be the guy. He actually had a really nice year for Cleveland uh, a couple of years ago before being replaced by this year's draft choice. So I think McLaughlin's going to be the guy. Uh, the other dude from Arizona is just a big leg with no accuracy, so I'm not real excited about that. You go look at McLaughlin. He's eight for nine from over 50 yards in his career, in his short career, and that was the big thing that Blankenship, besides his inconsistency, he had no length to his leg. He was only one for eight, or one, excuse me, one for five from over 50 yards, and only like two for eight from over 45. So this is this McLaughlin's the guy that's going to cover up a lot of sin uh, if they don't go with another more experienced veteran down the road like Josh Lambeau, who is still available, or last year's hero uh, Michael Badgley. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised that they went into the season because we were talking about this. Uh, you know, I would have ranked uh, Blankenship higher if I had a good feeling from you and uh, and everything that I heard. Uh, you know, and yet we had him ranked right in the middle. I knew he was going to get the chances, but boy, you, you miss a kick like that and make those mistakes, especially in overtime. Uh, you know, it, it's adios. Anyway, let's get to a short list of injuries for this week. The rest of the injuries, that is, if you want to hear, see, view a comprehensive list that we have and updated. Uh, pretty much every day in FF Mastermind, go to ffmastermind.com. And uh, our fourth one injury reports included in our premium weekly newsletters. Anyway, uh, quarterback Mac Jones for the uh, Patriots uh, suffered back spasms. Looks like he's going to be able to play, but I wouldn't count on it until I get he gets through practice this week, and we'll see what he looks like at the end of the week. Um, they already said, uh, Sal already said in, uh, in uh, New York that it looks like uh, Joe Flacco is going to start for Zach Wilson with that knee is still unlikely to play this week. Uh, moving on over to the running back position, Najee Harris uh, left, the, uh, left the game in overtime against the Bengals with a, uh, looks like a re-injury, a re-aggravation of that foot injury. He says he's going to play, but this is probably something that's going to you know, go on, be on and off and linger and such and have to deal with it every week. So that's one of the reasons why I didn't draft Najee Harris this year. Anyway, uh, J.K. Gobbins with the knee. Uh, just heard a press conference today. Boy, that knee was basically totally almost destroyed last year, so it's kind of amazing that he's coming back and all. But, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see if he can make it back this week. He was late scratch last week. Um, uh, Pete Carroll over in Seattle already said that Kenneth Walker, with that coming off that hernia surgery or procedure that he had, he's going to play this week and share uh, early down snaps with Rashard Penny. That lessens his fantasy value. Over back in Cincinnati at the wide receiver position, T. Higgins left the game with a concussion. He's listed as day-to-day. We'll see if he can uh, clear the cobwebs and practice uh, one full day before he plays. Alan Lazar with that ankle, uh, boy, being stepped on, uh, he has not done anything in like two weeks now. Did not play this past uh, uh, weekend, so I wouldn't count on 
on him again until he actually gets out there and practices. Rondell Moore with the hamstring, uh, you know, he was uh, ruled out pretty quickly over the weekend that didn't play, and uh, he uh, they need him. Greg Dortch is a replacement. Uh, people are grabbing, running out to grab him, but when uh, when Moore comes back, uh, he's going to go back to the bench, so be careful there. Ben Jefferson with the Rams, not expected to play again with that knee injury. Going to miss multiple weeks there. They need him back. Uh, and then the one big guy at the tight end position, George Kittle with the groin, uh, it was very smart of them. They should have took one look at that rainstorm and said, nope, <laughs> with that groin injury. And that's probably what they did, and he didn't play. We'll see if he can practice this week. Don't be surprised if he sits another week or two so they can get him close to 100% because they need him moving forward. And we'll be right back after this important message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with assistance from the Definitive Fantasy Football Information Service. Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com. There's plenty of free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. Co-founder and CEO Michael Nazarek has several decades of experience, including winning four consecutive SI.com Experts League Championships, along with tens of thousands of dollars playing in the Fantasy Football Players Championship. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy football content updated daily, which give you the edge you need to legitimately claim championship. Championship! Redrafter, Dynasty, Keeper, Auction, Salary Cap, IDP. They cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. Okay, we all urge people to go to our website, ffmastermind.com. There's lots of great, great uh, fantasy football information, including our uh, flagship uh, feature, NFL Premium uh, NFL Quick Bits. And, of course, if you want premium injury quick bits, uh, that's part of the newsletter right now. Uh, of course, we're also uh, pumping out uh, weekly uh, Eye in the Sky scan reports, including those that cover the Colts from Chris Rito. Uh, as well as John Cooney covers the, the Chiefs for us. Uh, he's a, another uh, senior writer on the website. Uh, uh, there's other stuff on the site. Uh, you can check it out. And uh, we release uh, free uh, uh, snippets of our premium information here and there. The newsletters are $39.95 right now. In another two, three, four weeks, we're going to prorate that down <clears throat> to an early uh, season sale. So you want to check out the website now. If you need immediately help, you can uh, purchase uh, anytime. Uh, you want to wait a couple weeks and see how you're doing and check us out at a reduced rate. That's great, too. Please follow me on Twitter at FFMastermind. All right, picks to click and flick for week two. These are guys that you want to consider getting in your lineup or maybe pulling from your lineup and putting on your bench uh, because of various reasons and which we're going to go into right now. All right, Chris, a couple of quarterbacks you like and why for this week. I kind of like Tua this week. I mean, if Flacco can throw for 300 yards against Baltimore, then, then Tua and his weapons should have a field day. Uh, it's important to note that this is a little bit of a continuation from last year, too, when the Ravens allowed the most passing yards the 2021 season and the third most fantasy points. They have allowed an average of 47 attempts and almost 315 passing yards a game in their last four games dating back to last year. So they're definitely something there to be had there. Tua had a decent day in week one without the offense really being needed, but this week could require a little more from him and the explosive playmaker. So I think he's going to step up a bit. And then a little bit of a sneakier play this week is Trevor Lawrence. Um, a lot of people are going to assume a solid Colts defense will limit the Jags. But Lawrence did look great when he saw the Colts in Week 18 last year and actually has been much better at home in his young career. 
tossing only one interception in his last six home games and only three in nine home games last year. So I don't think the Jags' run game will have as much success this week against the Colts. And the Colts might be able to score a little bit more as well, maybe forcing them into the air in a little bit of at least garbage time, if not uh, catch-up time. So he's a nice cheap guy for DFS or maybe even a desperation play for DAC owners looking for a quick fix. Okay, there you go. Uh, i got a couple of guys that I like this week. Uh, Derek Carr uh, for the Raiders. I know that he threw three picks last week. He admits he was a little bit aggressive, but, hey, it's the first game back with his uh, college buddy, uh, Devontae Adams, who uh, ended up catching seven, uh, 10 of 17 targets there. They're going to spread it around a little bit more, uh, but the good thing is that they're playing. They're not playing the Chargers. They're playing the Cardinals' sloppy secondary. Uh, yeah, it's the same Cardinals defense that just allowed the Chiefs just to go right on over them. So I think the Cardinals going to rebound with a big game, uh, three-plus touchdowns in this game. Uh, we won't throw three picks. Uh, so if you got them, uh, start them with confidence. Carson Wentz again, coming off a really good game. Uh, the good times are going to continue against the Detroit Lions. The team just gives up lots of points. Uh, both on the ground and via the air, and I think Wentz is going to get the job done this week too. A couple of guys I'd be careful about this week, Jameis Winston, uh, the Bucks defense is even better than last year, and uh, you know I know he's got a lot of weapons this year, uh, but uh, Alvin Kamara got off to a slow start. There's uh, some talk about a rib injury there, and looking into it right now, but um, I've just got a feeling that this game is going to be a low-scoring game, and that's why my other caution play this week is Tom Brady. Uh, he usually does struggle at New Orleans. It's the one place uh, where uh, he has trouble getting the ball to Mike Evans. Uh, there's a certain player on the defense that covers Mike Evans, and his name is not escaping my mind right now. But um, it's uh, I think it was is it Lattimore, uh, Marshawn Lattimore. Yeah, <laughs> he, all over Evans. Uh, so be careful. It's caution play there. If you got a better option, like maybe you get drafted Tom Brady and Derek Carr, I started Derek Carr this week. Anyway, how about you, Chris, a couple of guys you're not crazy about at quarterback and why? Yeah, unfortunately, the league I own, Brady, I had Dak Prescott as my backup. So I'm, 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 I'm hearing what you're saying. I've got to look into some stuff here. So, um, Ouch. Uh, I don't like Ryan Tannehill this week. Uh, what happens when you combine a low-volume passing offense bereft of real threats and send it on the road to face the league's best team and the best pass defense? you get a quarterback that you can't even consider starting under any circumstances. The Bills live up to expectations and fl- flick Stafford and his weapons last week, and I expect even less from a less talented team whose passing game really looked uncomfortable and off on their timing Sunday. A couple of screen passes to a backup running back for scores is not a strategy to count on. Sit Ryan Tannehill. And then my caution play of the week is Joe Burrow. Uh, after a sketchy performance in week one, he's facing a still dangerous Cowboys defense. I know it's only one game, but it's hard to ignore 13 combined sacks and turnovers heading into a game against last year's most opportunistic defense. Clearly, the new offensive line's not yet in sync. There are some early week concerns that T. Higgins might also be out with a concussion. I mean, to be fair, Burrow still posted fantasy numbers, solid numbers last week, even with four interceptions. But after watching Dallas limit Tom Brady and company to one touchdown, I wonder if big numbers could really be possible this week. Okay, how about a couple of running backs you like and why? Uh, we mentioned Jeff Wilson earlier. I do think he's going to get the lion's share of the carries in the backfield that are not snagged by Debo or Trey Lance. I saw nothing from the Seattle front seven that gave me any confidence they can stop a running back. The Broncos last night had 14 receptions from their two running backs, as well as averaging over five yards per carry. Even with the expected vulturing by, by Trey Lance and Debo, I expect Wilson to see enough volume to, to be worth starting as an RB2 off the waiver wire or off your deep bench. Uh, Wilson did average 17 carries a game in his four starts in relief for Mitchell last year, so he's going to get chances. And then I like really either of the Bears running backs. 
Um, David Montgomery got the bulk of the touches in the backfield last week, but did nothing with them. Granted, it was a slick track, uh, but his volume at least looks entrenched in the early season. And in our sleepers and running back previews, I had touted Khalil Herbert as a better fit for this offense, and he looked like the superior back on the slip and slide on Sunday. So I think Herbert is a solid flex most weeks, and this week against the Packers' run defense that looked porous, I think both Bears backs could have success and could be in your lineups as running back two or a flex. Okay, a couple of running backs I like this week. Uh, I think Josh Jacobs, uh, who looked good in limited action because they just weren't giving the ball last week, I think he's a really nice play against this, that suspect Cardinals run defense. Cardinals just not playing good defense overall there. Uh, I just think that Josh Jacobs is going to score in this game, and uh, he might not only catch uh, one or two passes here or there, but I think he's going he's gonna to rush for 80-plus yards there. So if you need him, uh, start him uh, with confidence, maybe as a high-end RB3. Uh, Austin Eckler, a lot of concern there because of the lack of touches and overall, but the bottom line is that they still use him at the goal. Well, guess what? They're going to st- you better stick with him because he's going to be needed against the Chiefs on Thursday night here. Without Keenan Allen in this offense, they're going to they're going to need to get the ball in Austin Eckler's uh, capable hands, especially via the pass. So I expect him to rebound with a big game, and we won't be questioning uh, his role in on that team moving forward after this week. A couple of guys I'm be uh, really cautious about, and these guys are going to start if they're playing. Derrick Henry, caution play. You got to temper your expectations against those Bills. I mean, you you, you don't like Ryan Tannehill. Well, uh, they're going to go all out to stop Derrick Henry too. So uh, you might see a similar stat line: 80, 88, 82 yards rushing, no catches. Uh, that's not going to help you win many uh, uh, fantasy games. But he is King Henry. And he might sneak one in. But you know, it'd just be a, a temper your expectations there. And then the other one is Najee Harris with that foot injury. It's not going to come easy against the Patriots. But of course, you're going to start him if he plays. But don't expect too much there. Uh, how about you, Chris? A couple of running backs you're not crazy about, and why? Yeah, we talked earlier in the show about Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, he's, you lower your fantasy expectations anyway. When you throw in Dak's injury and the extra focus that a pretty tough Bengals run defense is going to have on the backfield, it's just a minefield that I want no part of. I think game script could also take him out of the game plan a bit, unless he's lucky enough to get some receiving points from you from spread formations and, and uh, uh, two-minute offense. Uh, I think he's a real caution play until I see some proof that this offense is functional and maybe at least a weaker opposing defense. Uh, Zeke's probably on my bench. And my caution play of the week is Aaron Jones. Um, he looked like a little bit more of a secondary or third down role with A.J. Dillon that I'm comfortable with, rendering Jones as more of a flex option if that continues. I think he's still a starter as your number two for now, but I'm tempering expectations after watching both the Packers offense and the Bears run defense last week. Jones has not really done great against Chicago in all of his past chances, although, to be fair, he has scored a receiving touchdown in three straight games in this series, for whatever that's worth. Okay. How about a couple of wide receivers like and why? Uh, I do like Mike Williams on Thursday night. Uh, generally on Thursday night, you go with your, your best guys, and especially with uh, Keenan Allen out of the lineup. I'm assuming on this short week, Keenan Allen won't be playing, makes Big Mike the lead receiver. But even without that bump in target share, Williams has a huge history playing in Kansas City, averaging almost 100 yards per game and and one and a half touchdowns in his last four trips there. This is crazy. In his career, he has only 800-yard games and five two-touchdown games, and nearly half of each of those have been the games in Kansas City. With this game being high scoring, I think Mike Williams is due to break out. And then I do like Curtis Samuel this week. Uh, The only thing holding Curtis Samuel back from a huge role for Ron Rivera has been his health. He was brought in to be a huge contributor. Finally healthy, at least early in the season, he got 11 targets last week, was a PPR stud. 
This week he faces the Lions, who gave up a ton of targets and catches to A.J. Brown. A very different physique, but running a very similar route tree to Curtis Samuel. Sometimes a big week one's an illusion. Sometimes it's a revelation. This one, I think, is a real indication of what they plan to do with him in Washington. But even at half the targets, he's probably a worthy start in this very positive matchup. I like Samuel as a late-round grab and draft. I think he's a solid start in PPRs as long as he's on the field. So start him while he's healthy. Yeah, I, uh, I I like him as a, as a pickup this week, a priority uh, for Asian pickup. And uh, speaking of Washington, uh, the other guy over there, Terry McLaurin, yeah, that's a must-start against the Lions. That's one of the guys I like this week. And I think Cortland Sutton's going to score. I think he's going to light up the Texans secondary. Uh, Wilson, obviously, is going to get more time to throw the ball this week. Uh, you know, It's clear that they're using Sutton in, in, in long passing routes, but he can get open, and he's going to be effective. I think they're gonna, he's going to catch one and uh, score probably in the corner of the end zone. Uh, go with them. A couple of other guys I'm uh, concerned about. Obviously, Keenan Allen, uh, he, he might play. I don't know, m- most likely not. But even if he does, they're going to limit him with that hamstring injury. So you sit him. It's to go, go with somebody else. And, of course, a huge caution play this week, C.D. Lamb in Dallas. Cooper Rush, uh, I, I said this in the newsletter, Cooper Rush could implode <laughs> C.D. Lamb. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's just crazy. Uh, everybody that's got C.D. Lamb is now panicking and all because the Cowboys don't want to go out and, and get another quarterback. Well, we'll see what happens when it really does get so bad that they might start 0-4. We'll see how Jerry Jones feels about that. Anyway, how about a couple of guys you're not crazy about, Wyatt, at uh, wide receiver, Chris, and why? I don't like uh, Marquise Valdez-Scantling. MVS was definitely fourth amongst the receiving targets in Kansas City and even lightly used Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. CEH was better than MVS in the pecking order. Uh, he's going to be a boomer bust, an all-or-nothing lottery ticket week to week, a great guy in best ball leagues, but I'd have real trouble finding a spot for him in PPR leagues when opportunities are so few and far between. He's got to see a higher snap count and target share for me to trust him, even in this high-octane offense. The Chargers last week also gave up most of what they did underneath, so the attack should again favor Juju and Nicole Hardman and Kelsey and not the deep streaker. And then I, I don't like Devontae Parker. Uh, two short targets on the day in which he could have been featured is a very telling stat for how erratic his usage is going to be in this low-volume attack. Unlike MBS, who has a small part of a big pie, he has a small part of more of what a, more like a, a Pop-Tart or a pot pie. So uh, I think Parker only averages <laughs> under 45 yards per game in his career against Pittsburgh. And he's not scored a touchdown on the road in nearly two years and only three times in the last five seasons. Just not a lot of upside here, especially with Mac Jones, not 100%, and a defense coming off a four-pick game. Okay, how about a couple of pop, pot pie tight ends that you like this week and why? <laughs> uh, I do like Darren Waller. I mean, he's an obvious start under all circumstances, but I think he's in line for a really big game. He managed a very solid four for 79 on six targets, even with Devontae Adams hoarding 17 targets. And after watching Arizona hemorrhage yards and catches to everyone, especially being the league worst against the tight end last week, allowing 10 catches for a buck 32 and two scores, there's no reason they will not be easily beaten by Waller this week. Waller is also averaging eight targets per game in the last three seasons in his 12 NFC crossover games, for whatever that's worth, with a whole bunch of 10, 10 or more catch games, again, in the crossover. So I love Darren Waller. And I really like Hayden Hurst. He's flying under the radar as an off-season acquisition. We mentioned him in our Sleeper uh, podcast a couple weeks ago. He quietly amassed eight targets on Sunday, finished third on the team in catches and receiving yards as well. He ran the most routes amongst tight ends in the entire league, and he lined up wide on more than half of his snaps. Opportunity is huge in PPRs. Hurst could be a great streaming option, especially if Higgins is out or limited in any way. 
He also faces a team that's played at the highest pace in 2021, so there's going to be more snaps and plays available. For whatever it's worth, he's got one career game against Dallas. It was also in Dallas in 2019, and he posted five catches for 72 yards and a score on eight targets. That was his career high in yardage in his five years. Yeah, I tell you, I agree with that. Um, a couple of guys I love this week, uh, Zach Ertz, Arizona, if he's healthy. He's going to score on the Raiders. The Raiders, like you said, the Cardinals giving up uh, so much to the tight end. The Raiders are still one of the worst in the league. They let Gerald Everett score on them. Uh, the other guy is Dalton Schultz. You mentioned this earlier. I think he might be the only guy to benefit from Cooper Rush against the soft Bengals tight end defense. Uh, uh, you know, it just depends uh, what, what rush we get. <laughs> Hopefully he can at least get the, the ball out to somebody there, and if it is, it's going to be Dalton Schultz. So I think that uh, he'll be okay this week. A couple of guys I'm not playing this week, uh, Austin Hooper, a lot of preseason hype over Hooper and his connection with uh, Ryan Tannehill. Well, it's kind of hard to get a connection going when you're sitting the bench because Jeff Swaim started over you and played most of the game, and you got most of your action on the very end of the game when they needed to quickly go down the field and try and get in field goal range, and that's when Hooper caught his one catch. That's not going to cut it. Uh, in fact, I got I got Hooper as my or my tight end three in a couple of leagues, and I'm cutting them this week. We'll see. The other guy is Mike Gazeki. Yeah, uh, once again, one catch is not going to cut it. He's the true tight end. They're using him mostly to block, not enough opportunities, so you sit him or cut him. You know, those are two the two guys that I don't like this week, and probably don't like moving forward any at all. Anyway, a couple of tight ends you're not crazy about, and why, Chris? Uh, Irv Smith in Minnesota. I know they said he was back after his late hand surgery, but he just simply looked like a bit of an afterthought in this new offense. He got blanked on his two targets, while other tight ends on the team garnered, gathered in four catches for Minnesota. They just got too many explosive playmakers for me to trust him yet, and he's likely not going to be an option except maybe close to the goal line as a misdirection or a mismatch. Uh, as much as I think the game with Philly is going to be a track meet, I think it's going to be the bigger name stars that carry the load for Minnesota. So I'm sitting Irv Smith. And then O.J. Howard. He's going to be probably one of the hottest grabs on the waiver wire this week. He's athletic. He's got name recognition. He had week one stardom. He's got availability on the waiver wire. He's facing a Broncos team that just gave up two broken play touchdowns on Monday night football that everyone saw it to the tight end. He's on a team known to utilize the tight end for receiving touchdowns. He's in the crosshairs for the frenzy. But you've got to remember, Howard had two scores on only two targets last week. That is a thoroughly unsustainable rate. This is your annual reminder not to chase last week's fluky points. Yeah, the, the crazy part about that is that Howard played 12 snaps in the game, and he only ran six pass routes. So on, out of six pass routes, he got two targets, and they both went for scores. Simply unsustainable. Don't waste any fab money on him. Let somebody else put the fab money in the FFPC or FPC or whatever kind of event you have. Uh, it, it's not going to be worth it. You're going to be really disappointed. All right, let's uh, hit the one, uh, one-hit one wonders at kicker and defense. Hit me with them, Chris. I like your boy for the Giants, Graham Gano. Carolina has allowed the most kicker points in week one and the third most field goal attempts last year, so he's a good bet. And then Cade York, you're going to go who? He's the rookie for Cleveland that had four, four for four on field goals last week, hit the game-winning 58-yarder late in the game facing a Jets team that allowed the most kicker fantasy points in 2021. So they both look like great options off your waiver wire. As far as defenses go, I also like Cleveland against the Jets. I mean, a Flacco-led Jets team only scored three points until a garbage touchdown. And the Browns did register four sacks and a few turnovers last week, so I like them at home against the Jets. And then I like Cincinnati uh, going into Dallas. I mean, two words, Cooper Rush. 
I mean, he had, he got two sacks in only one quarter that he played on Sunday Night Football, and now we got a desperate Cincinnati team. I, I'd like their defense to step up and really harass the young man a little bit. Yeah, I like those options too. We want to remind everyone: a premium weekly in fantasy newsletter, uh, in season fantasy newsletter purchase gets you free access to our premium subscriber forum. Where there are nearly four thousand subscribers registered, waiting to voice their opinions. Thank you for joining us for Chris Rito. This is Michael Mazurek. We'll see you all next week when we offer our week three preview. Good night and good luck to everyone this week. Football! Football? You know, a physical sport. You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazareth, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Good day, sir!